Hey, I'm Elizabeth Willits and I'm obsessed with helping as many women as possible achieve their boldest dreams after kids and helping you to navigate this messy and magical season of life. I'm a working mum with over 17 years of recruitment experience and I'm the founder of the Investing in Women job board and community. In this show, I'm honoured to be chatting with remarkable women, redefining our working world across all areas of business. They'll share their secrets on how they've achieved extraordinary success after children, set boundaries and balance, the challenges they've faced and how they've overcome them to define their own versions of success. Shy away from the real talk? No way! Money, struggles, growth, loss, boundaries and balance, we cover it all. Think of this as coffee with your mates and mixed with an inspiring TED Talk sprinkled with the career advice you wish you'd really had at school. So grab a cup of coffee or a glass of wine, make sure you're cosy and get ready to get inspired and chase your boldest dreams or just survive Mondays. This is the Work It Like a Mum podcast. This episode is brought to you by Investing in Women. Investing in Women is a job board and recruitment agency helping you find your dream part-time or flexible job with the UK's most family-friendly and forward-thinking employers. Their site can help you find a professional and rewarding job that works for you. They're proud to partner with the UK's most family-friendly employers across a range of professional industries. Ready to find your perfect job? Search their website at investinginwomen.co.uk to find your next part-time or flexible job opportunity. Now, back to the show. Hello and welcome to this week's Work It Like a Mum podcast episode. Today, I'm delighted to be chatting with Wilma McDonald, a qualified nutritional therapist, and she is the mastermind behind Maverick Motherhood. Um, Wilma has a background in banking and finance spanning over a decade and she has since set up her business, Maverick Motherhood, to help other women navigate the challenges um, of nutrition and how to juggle that with their busy lives. She has a revolutionary program called the Flat to Fabulous Framework, where she's all about empowering women and helping them to rediscover their vitality and zest for life from postpartum through to perimenopause and beyond. So today we are going to be deep diving into nutrition tailored for busy women, workplace wellness and perimenopause. So if you are a mum trying to juggle it all, or someone seeking insights into workplace wellness. This episode promises to be an enlightening perspective. So thank you so much, Wilma, for joining me today. It's such a pleasure to chat. Thank you for that wonderful introduction. No, thank you. <laughs> so, nutrition, have you always been into nutrition? Were you the person at uni cooking? And- <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. So when I left home, I left home when I was 17 to go to uni and my mom kind of shot, you know, I knew I had to do the basics. So, you know, but yeah, nutrition, like, no, all I can say is no. Like I, I would eat like three chocolate bars a day for breakfast and Fanta and Lilt were my thing. This was like the nineties and the early two thousands. So I probably was in probably my thirties, probably about 32 that I'd always kind of been interested in health, but I was a bit confused as to what that meant. So it was what always did it like, mean for you then in your 20s? What it meant for me in my 20s would be balancing my... I, so I take Rivita. We all know and hate what, Rivita. What, cracker things? Yeah, yeah. So I used to take Rivita with me as a snack and I'd have a salad but no dressing, no fat allowed. 
And, but then I'd be having two double shot skinny lattes a day with two sugars and a double decker for my lunch. I like, it didn't, like food was kind of just something that I had to eat so I wouldn't be hungry. And I've always been small. So I'm small in stature and small, like genetic wise. So I didn't really think about it very much. And also, you know, I was partying a lot in my 20s. You know, I'd be waking up with like a pizza and chips beside me in bed. It wasn't, it just, nutrition didn't really interest me at all or didn't even cross my mind. And even, so I was probably age 30, I think, when I was diagnosed with high blood pressure. Is that quite young to be diagnosed? Yes, very young. The doctor was just like, if you need to change your lifestyle. I remember her saying to me, if you change your lifestyle you won't need the medication. And I was like, well, I'm not changing, so give me the drugs. And so I was on high blood pressure medication for quite a lot of my early 30s. Yeah, and did that have side effects, that medication? Long term, they probably would, but I didn't care. I wasn't really interested in that point in time. I just knew that I had to keep my blood pressure. So my dad had a stroke in his mid-50s because of his high blood pressure. So it was, you know, the genetic element there. So I was just like, okay, I need to keep my blood pressure at a certain level. But I didn't really take the lifestyle or nutrition thing into consideration at all until I was forced to. And I remember, I can't remember how old I was or had I got a kidney infection after a rather large night out. And I was meant to be at my five-star Christmas party and I was in hospital instead because of this excruciating kidney infection. And just something like three months later, I was still feeling awful. I had no energy. I was tired all the time. Food wasn't great. I was getting like boils on my skin and it was just bad. And I went to the doctor, I went to herbalists, I had a cough that wouldn't go away. And then eventually, I think it was my sister that suggested I went to speak to a nutritionist. And I didn't know what they did or who they were, but I found one and off I went. And within a week, I swear, within a week of doing the changes that she suggested, the cough went the energy levels were getting back up. My skin was clearing up. It was just like, it was unbelievable, the changes. And I kind of went, I kind of probably went a bit too far into it. I kind of got really obsessed with it. And I then decided that I was going to study nutrition on the side. So I was working full-time in finance at that point in time as a contractor. So I was bouncing around all kind of like the high street banks. And I studied nutrition on the side, which was a lot, probably too much. And I did end up with like insomnia and stress-related hair loss in the midst of that. So that was kind of my inroad into it. I had no idea about fueling myself or nourishing myself at any point. I wasn't the one in my 20s kind of like cooking everybody gourmet food or lecturing people on what to eat or anything like that. That was just not where it was at all. But it's been quite a significant change shall I yeah say. so what are the changes you've noticed then in yourself so you mentioned the you know you your boil your boils when oh, you were... I had, oh yeah it was really bad and my boyfriend at the time he's now my husband was just like what the heck so it mostly I would say my energy levels is just it's completely different like I'm now I'm 45 this year and I would definitely say I have more sustained energy than I did when I was in my 20s. In my 20s, it was like completely a roller coaster as to whether I was going to have a good day or a bad day or what my energy levels were going to be like. And I just, I powered through a lot because I was, you know, burning the candle at both ends and not looking after myself in any way, shape or form. My skin is completely, you know, completely different, completely like clear, glowing. Beautiful. It's glowing. 
Actually, if we share the video, people will see you. You've got really beautiful skin. Uh, my hair is about, like as lot, you know, much much longer, much healthier than it was. So there's lots of like outside, like physical stuff you can see, but yeah, definitely the energy and my moods are a lot more calm and sustained. I was quite, I would say, my default used to be like shouty, stressy, really reactive, and. To get to that stage now, I have to be kind of pushed to my limits. So it's not, that's not my default anymore. And, you know, parenting has its challenges. And I'm not going to say I'm not a shouty parent. I do get narky sometimes, but there's always something else underlying if I'm kind of narky. So it's, there's a whole spectrum of things. And just my focus, like, I can't, it's really difficult to kind of explain how different it actually is. And it's not changes in how I feel is quite significant, but, and I'm hoping as I progress through the next stages of life that everything I've done is going to help me adapt to that as well. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Because so, I know that you obviously support people, don't you, that are going through perimenopause. So how do you think, you know, how are you hoping that, that your nutrition would support you through that point as well? The perimenopause, you know, when nobody's going to avoid it and it's relatively I didn't really understand very much about it until recently because it wasn't a term that anybody was familiar with or we talked about it. You know, Davina McCall changed the whole landscape. She has, I was going to say, and it's really only in the past year, really. Yeah, so she's completely changed the landscape of what's been acceptable to talk about and showing us that we're not going to slide into a golden girls era, that we have role models who are... No, you know, her thriving through this. She looks fantastic. You know, and it's kind of like, and there is still criticism. I see criticism of her all the time as to kind of like she's portraying something that's unachievable. And I don't think that's the point is that she is showing us what's possible. Doesn't mean we actually actually have to be exactly like her, but she's showing us what's possible as we progress through our various stages in life. So. With the whole nutrition thing, a lot of it is supporting our hormones, supporting our mood, making sure that we're eating enough. Like I cannot stress that if no, if there's only one thing anybody takes away from our discussion is that you're most likely not eating enough because what usually happens during perimenopause and menopause is that we do start laying down a bit more weight and it is a little bit harder for women of a certain age to lose weight. And what we then do, which is our default, because we've been told it for so long, is to eat less and move more. And we probably actually need to eat more and move in accordance with what our body needs because we don't want to put any additional stress on it. So what I see most, what I see in every single client I've spoken to in the last, I don't know how long I've been doing this, 10 years, nobody is eating enough for the stage of life they're at. For If you're postpartum, you need it for recovery. If you're pedimere and paused, your hormones need, your hormones are made from protein and cholesterol and fats. So you need all that in your diet. And we need to be nourishing ourselves from the inside out. My hope in discussing this is that we don't get embarrassed about discussing perimenopause because we're all going to experience it at some point in time. We understand our bodies a bit more and start tuning in and that we eat enough and nourish ourselves enough to help us navigate the changes that we're going through because it is a big change it's not you know there's no doubt about it and it doesn't have to be awful we've been fed this narrative for so long that you know we're going to be hot sweaty short-tempered irritable you know none of our clothes are going to fit it's going to be you know it's all downhill from here on and I for one refuse to 
bow down to that narrative and I won't let anybody who's in my vicinity. <laughs> do you think, well, good nutrition, because I didn't ask you about your, so you're still on the drugs for high blood pressure. Do you think good nutrition can replace the drugs, you know, there's HRT? I, so it's really, it's, I think it's really individual. It's like has to be taken on an individual basis. I think some people need the hormones back in. And some people just can't. And some people, the hormones do not agree with them. And I think whatever you do, good nutrition can always work alongside it. It doesn't mean, you know, your nutrition is going to mean no HRT. Nobody can guarantee that. It doesn't mean that HRT means you don't need to focus on your nutrition. Because I think if you have them working, I always say it's complementary. We're not alternative. We're a complementary to modern day medicine is that the if you do both things, if you look after how you eat and you want to take HR and you need to take it, there's no way that you're going to feel like you can't do whatever you want to do. So, yeah, I think it's complementary and I wouldn't, I can't say, yes, it'll replace it. I think it's all on an individual basis. I'm not great with adding hormones in, so I'm hoping I don't want to go, have to go down that route. But if I have to, then I'll always give it a try. But I'm hoping yeah. not. So you mentioned that obviously you need to adapt your nutrition, I guess your approach to exercise as you go through life and life's changes. So maybe we can talk about, you know, if you were, could meet 20 Wilma in her twenties, <laughs> what oh. would you say to her about how she's looking after her health and, and what changes should you be making then as, you know? Oh man, what would I say? <laughs> I, oh God, I'd be like, don't drink a bottle of wine every Wednesday night or three bottles of wine every Wednesday night for a start. I would be, she was ambitious, very ambitious. So she worked a lot. If she finished at seven o'clock, that was an early finish. More so nine, 10 o'clock was a regular finish. I would be making sure she was organized and prepared. You know, it didn't have to be boring. Like I wouldn't say to her, never go out, never drink on a Wednesday night. It's all about making sure that you are nourished for what you want to achieve in your life. Because I don't think, even though she was working such long hours, I think she could have achieved what she wanted to do a lot quicker if she was looking after herself better. She'd have been a lot more focused and fresh because I spent a lot of my 20s hungover. And then (laughs) when you're that hungover, you just eat rubbish. And, you know... It's like McDonald's breakfast. Oh, I'd get off the bus and there was a prate beside the bus stop. So I'd be in there getting a, a chocolate croissant. And I think they used to have these cheese and tomato croissants as well. And a kind of Coke and a double shot skinny laddie with two sugars. <laughs> you know, complete sugar overload. So you were I became quite a lot of guests during the day. Up there. You know, we everyone knows it's three o'clock, you're ready for a snooze. But I'd have this huge rush and then I'd be like, 10, 11 o'clock, I'd be off for another coffee. And then at lunchtime, I'd probably eat a tuna baguette, something along those lines, or a salad with no dressing. And then I'd be, after lunch, I was just exhausted after lunch, ready for a nap. Every time I ate something big like that, I'd be just like exhausted. So then off I'd go for another coffee. And then if I was working late, I would go across the road because the coffee shop in the building had closed. I would go across the road and get everybody in the building who was staying. I would get them a coffee. So it was just like, I was just, you know, a caffeine and carb and sugar fiend. And there was just my energy levels were just all over the place, which meant my mood was all over the place. Like, you know, I was quite unpredictable in my moods, which then translated into 
how I was at work, how I was in my personal relationships. And I used to go to the gym, but I'd be kind of like, you know, on the treadmill for five minutes, go like lift some weights. And I'd be like, mm, who's around that I can check out? You know, and then I'd go for a steam and a sauna. And, you know, because I was had a gym membership, I thought I was being healthy, but I didn't actually use it properly. So it's just about educating and showing what you can actually do and the small things. Again, I would be like, what, January, I'm going into detox. Yeah. Which means I'd drink green tea, even though I hated green tea. I hate green tea. <laughs> and I drank it for years. And I'd be like, <laughs> really? I, I've tried. And every second, you haven't tried the right one. I'm like, oh, trust me, I have. I hate green tea. But every January for the month of January, I wouldn't have coffee. I would just drink this awful. I don't think you made me any healthier, really. <laughs> no. I remember once vomiting in the bathroom because I was drinking and I didn't yeah, like it. Yeah, it makes you quite sick. It made me feel quite sad. And it's not a tan. It was really, I was, and then, so I'd be like, but then come February the 1st, I'd be back in all bar one. Not coffee. <laughs> but, you know, so it was just, it was very up and down a lot of the time. And I just didn't know. Nobody had told me. Nobody taught us. Nobody teaches all this stuff. We just, we don't know. And I read all these magazines about eating less, moving more. You know, it was never about, it was always about my size and how I looked rather than how I felt. And I want to kind of turn that narrative on its head. Yes, I'm not going to ignore the fact that looking good is part of it. But if you don't feel good, it doesn't really matter what you look like. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So it's got to be, it's got to be both. So you work long hours and there'll be people, I know you've got a few clients that are real high flyers and that's the challenge in itself, isn't it? If you are so focused on work, yep. you want to be successful. I use, I put, you know, obviously success means different things to different people, but you want to maybe rise to the top of your organization. It's quite hard to find that balance between work or you might, you know, just busy with family and then that time for you and your health how what would you say to those people and how can they fit it in hello to all our listeners this is elizabeth willits your host of the work it like a mum podcast and founder of the investing in women job board and recruitment site i'm here today to tell you all about our transformative career coaching services whether you're returning to work climbing the corporate ladder or seeking a complete career change, our coaching is designed for anyone aspiring to make a significant impact in their professional life. We offer personalised guidance on crafting standout CVs that tell your unique story, effective strategies for nailing your next job interview and expert tips on optimising your LinkedIn profile to attract the right opportunities. And here's the best part. As a valued listener, you'll get an exclusive 10% discount. Just use the code WORKITLIKEAMUM when you book your session. Visit us at investinginwomen.co.uk forward slash career coaching services to start your journey towards career success. Let's work together to achieve your professional dreams with the Investing in Women Career Coaching Services. It's not impossible. And I had this conversation with one of my clients yesterday. And I also had it with my husband in the evening and we got quite a heated discussion about it because I was talking about, can we have it all? You know, it's always directed at women. And he said to me, he's like, nobody's ever asked me if I can have it all. That's my husband. I was like, of course they haven't because I support you having it all. <laughs> I'm the one that has to question whether I can do it all or whether I want it all. And I think all is different for everybody. But when I was speaking, I was wrapping up a client yesterday who is at like 
the pinnacle of her career and has two kids. And don't get me wrong, she has support from her husband at home and after school clubs and all that kind of thing. But she decided that to get to where she wanted to be now, she had to look at how she was fueling herself and nourishing herself because her focus and energy wasn't where she wanted it to be. And yes, a bit of that was about how she looked as well. So we can address that as well. But never underestimate the power of tiny. And she said that she was like, she was really surprised how easy the small changes I suggested were that then fitted into her already really busy day in life and that they actually built up to get to her where she wanted to be. And that's what I say. Like, And I fell into this trap as well to think that it has to be big, massive changes. Like we have to overhaul your life. I used to try and overhaul my life every January or every time I woke up with a hangover, I had to go to work. I'd be like, well, I need to overhaul my life. (laughs) I'm never doing this again. I'm never doing it again. I'm not going to eat pizza at three o'clock in the morning. I'm going to eat properly. I'm going to... For my thing, for some reason, I used to be like, I'm going to go for facial every month. I don't know why I got that in my head. I thought that was the pinnacle of looking after myself. I know what you mean, though. I do 100% know what you mean. I used to go for bikini waxes. I never even had a boyfriend. And I think it was just... (laughs) 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 Just think I've got to do it. Yeah, I was going to do it. I was like, you know, if I have a facial every month, I will not feel this crappy or look this crappy. And And it was just... It wasn't... That wasn't it. And so when I say to people, it really is... Like I don't. Sometimes people don't believe me because can the small changes actually make a difference? And I'm like, just try them. It's like because the really small changes that can fit into your life when it's really busy will add up to the big changes and to get you where you want to be. So again, I was talking to a client this morning who full on job, two kids, and she was like, I'm really surprised. She's like, at how balanced my energy is throughout the day. She's like, the fog has lifted my focus. And all from adding in a breakfast. That's all she's done. She wasn't eating breakfast. She sometimes would be get to her job after getting her two kids to school. And she'd get to her job after like getting up at like six. And this would be like nine o'clock. And she's like, she hadn't even had a drink of water in these three hours. Oh gosh, yeah. I feel awful actually. If if you're not even drinking water. (laughs) Yeah. And she'd become like, no wonder I was feeling crappy. But because you're so in it and because you're surrounded by people who are doing the same thing, it's kind of normal and everybody's doing it and everybody's feeling a bit tired and crappy. So that's just the way it is, right? Whereas I got her to add in kind of like a small, a tiny breakfast first thing in the morning. And then she had her proper breakfast once she got to the office. But even adding in that small little thing, where there's like a mouthful of yogurt or a couple of mouthfuls of yogurt with some like nuts and seeds, it wasn't something huge. She didn't have to sit down and do it. She could do it while she was doing everything else. I know I don't sit down for breakfast. Just filled her tummy a little bit, have some liquids that weren't caffeine related. And then when she got to the office, she could have her porridge and her coffee. And that little change alone has kind of like blown her mind how much it's changed her energy and her focus and her outlook. And then that feeds into the rest of her day and her habits and what she wants to do. It's interesting you mentioned caffeine because I not really, I just noticed if I have too much tea, I don't feel good. And I've had to really restrict, I'm not a coffee drinker, but I, drink, I used to drink a lot of tea. And actually, I've really limited it now to, you know, this sounds probably sound a lot to some people, like two or three cups a day. But really, I was on like five or six. And actually, I, be, I felt it in my head, tired. Mm-hmm. It's got just as much caffeine as coffee. Yeah. Do you still drink coffee? If you no, such- I'll have 
I've got a, I have got a really wanky coffee order. So I'll have a decaf oat milk mocha maybe once a month. Or if I'm going out to meet somebody for coffee or whatever, I have something about paying £2.50 for a tea bag and a mug that I can't bring myself to do. Yeah, so, <laughs> so I generally have some kind of, I like, like I say, I'll have a decaf oat milk mocha. But oh, I like, I, for me, cutting out coffee is a gradual thing. Like I used to drink loads of it, like three, four cups of coffee a day, double shots, sometimes a triple shot if I was feeling it. And they were caffeine euro coffee, so they were just knocking my head off. Now... If I have a cup of tea on an empty stomach, I'll feel sick. So everything That's I see... Right. And no one else, you're the only other person that seems to have that. I can't do that. I can't do it. I can't do it on an empty stomach at all. And what I say to people is, you don't need to cut coffee. Like, if you love coffee, don't want you to drink 10 cups of it a day. But I know what it's like in offices. You see everybody wandering around with their Starbucks or Keep Cups. Yeah, do you want coffee? Do you know what the size do? Oh yeah, I'll come with you. <laughs> Go have a chat in the kitchen. And it's like, most of the time you don't even really want it. It's something to do to get away from your desk or something to have in your hand or whatever. And what I say to people is don't have coffee on an empty stomach first thing in the morning. Yeah. Always eat before you caffeinate. Again, if you do nothing else, do that. And I spoke about this at a workshop I delivered a few weeks ago and one woman messaged me and said, I can't believe the difference that has made to my energy levels. Because if you have your caffeine on an empty stomach, even if it's tea or if it's coffee, it sets you off on that energy roller coaster right away. And then you've got that all day, have you? Basically. You've got that all day. And if you have something in your stomach before you have your caffeine, it kind of dulls the impact that it has on your energy levels. See, I'm learning stuff. I'm like, oh my gosh, you're all back. <laughs> and these are really small things I'm not saying it's what I used to do but like I'm never drinking coffee again I'm never eating bread again I'm never yeah. drinking again there'd be this whole kind of never doing this again start again on Monday gym every day it couldn't be the gym twice a week it had to be every single day and it was never sustainable I'm going to leave at five o'clock it was never sustainable so it's kind of like don't think that working with a nutritionist means that you have to give up everything that you love, that you're never going to drink coffee again. It's just about we need to drink it strategically for your health benefits. It sounds like you'd rather your clients do smaller changes that they can do sustain sustainably than really big changes there. You know, I'm for if you like, I, the way I do, the way I work is I give everybody a nutrition protocol, which can be quite in depth. If you want to do it all, knock yourself out. But I meet very, very few people who can do all the changes all at once and sustain them. And I know it's really tempting to want to do that, especially when we're high achievers. Trust me, I'm kind of like, I'm up there with the Thai base wanting to kind of do the achievement and be the best and get the gold star and things like that. But if you take, because I break it down into the small changes, what you can do and how we do it. If you take the small changes and embed them one by one, the likelihood of you keeping on doing it and these then becoming something that you don't even think about is much more likely and the changes are much more likely to stick and stay. Wow, we talked about obviously the high achievers. I mean, that was another thing, you know, people are working really long hours in an office. I know that a lot of us now can work from home and a lot of people work hybrid. But even if you're doing three days in an office, it is very hard because it'll be someone's birthday and then you get the cakes coming or someone's leaving. <laughs> And, and there's chocolates and then how do you navigate that oh you know like you said it's the three o'clock i'm bored and i've had this i've still got a couple of hours left at work and time's dragging and i've got to do something to give me that break from the desk so i guess what the healthy alternatives people can use so yeah i remember because like i said i worked in uh, i worked in retail banking up until 
God, six years ago, whatever, I had a small human. And I remember the cakes coming in. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll be honest, I am a cake snob. I am like, yeah. So I remember some, like, God bless them, whoever brought them in, they were from Costco and they had an expiry date longer than your, you know, they were about five years before they expired. And I was like, oh my God, cake is meant to be off the next day. So I being like, if you're going to have cake, have the best cake you can find. And if people keep bringing in, and I know people are like, quite forceful in their want for you to eat cake yeah I know it's my birthday on country it's my birthday or like yeah yeah or you know and I know like at Christmas time there's always like chocolates and cakes and stuff yeah I if you're eating enough at your main meals which I know a lot of us aren't then a snack every now and then is not a big deal it's when we're doing it every day. So I would say if you're going to eat cake or chocolate, make it the best that you can find. And you have to decide what's worth it for you and what's not. And you mean like the quality? The quality, <laughs> yeah. So if I like, so for instance, I love tiramisu, but I don't eat dairy and I don't drink coffee. But if I'm somewhere that they're offering tiramisu, I have to have it. I can't say no, but it makes me snotty because I'm allergic to dairy. But for me, that's worth it, especially if I'm in Italy. I have a tiramisu every day just to try it. Yeah. But that's for me, that's worth it. Anything else, like I wouldn't have a cream bun or something like that, anything with dairy or something. So you decide what's worth it and what's not for you. And then you usually have to zone people out. I mean, I would go into work with like... Laterally, after I'd kind of done majors and I was qualified, I'd be going into a bank, my the bank that I used to work in, with kind of like a whole bag of snacks and like my Stanley with my aubergine curry and stuff like that. And I remember this one person be kind of like sniggering because I had my aubergine curry. And then a couple of days later, they were like, "Can you look at my food diary to see what I'm eating?" <laughs> so people are interested. interested, and it's a case of what other people are doing is not relevant because they are not going to be you in 20 years time and they're not going to be how you feel how you feel is up to you and you just sometimes have to be like you know what no thanks not today or you know what yeah I'm gonna have it today because I feel like it and not feel the peer pressure and the three o'clock thing is an interesting thing because it's a really common feeling do you want to have a nap at three o'clock? And what I say to people, don't look at what's going on at three o'clock. Look as to what you ate for breakfast and what you had for lunch, because that's what's going to impact your energy levels at three o'clock. And if you feel like you're bored and you want a break from your desk, can you pop outside for a walk around the block? You know, is there like my client today, she has, she had one of these dash drinks, which is the sparkling water with just fruit in it so what's the alternative you can have to coffee or a kind of coke or a diet coke is there something you can have that's not caffeine or sugar related at three o'clock but also it's a case of looking at have you had your protein fat and fiber for your lunch and your breakfast because that's what's going to impact your energy for the rest of the day yeah what about healthy foods can feel quite expensive can't they and that's that's trash day and that's wrong. But, you know, you go in supermarkets and they have all these two-for-ones, don't they, on the crisps, on the fizzy drinks. Is it expensive to eat healthy or is that a misconception? So if you are having, yes, it can be, is the annoying answer. There's no getting away from it. When I, I, I lived in New York for a year and I was completely skint. So I'd have a slice of pizza every day for lunch 
or a Wendy's because it was $2.50. Whereas the salad from the other, from the bodega, probably wasn't that much healthier, but that was like $10. Yeah, and it's a huge difference. It's a massive difference. So I had to make a choice. And I didn't come back from New York feeling great uh, (laughs) for various different reasons. So yes, it can be, but it depends what you're buying. Like if you're going into the supermarket, depends what supermarket you go to as well. And if you're buying your lunch, lunch out every day can cost you about nine quid. So it depends what you it depends what you're eating as well. So but you can make a bean and veggie chili that can last you for three days. You can make it really cheaply. Or you can buy a healthy meal from Marks and Spencer for your lunch for that comes to nine quid. So it kind of depends what your capability is to want to make your own food and bring it with you or what like I'm not a fan of like meat replacements and all this kind of replacement stuff because it can get quite expensive and the gluten-free stuff not everybody needs to be gluten-free so these kind of replacement meals can be expensive so it's kind of like a tin of beans and a bit of broccoli isn't that much so it's about changing our perception slightly as to we don't need green powders we don't need green juices or green smoothies we need to be drinking enough eating enough and moving enough and then if you want to and you have the financial capability you can start slotting other things in but if you have access to a tap and some water you can drink two liters of water a day you don't need to drink filtered water from the Melian Mountains or whatever, you can just drink tap water. Mm-hmm. And you can make, like I say, a bean chili, you can make a veggie curry, or you can make curry with chicken in it and take it with you for lunch. So it's kind of like, what slight changes can we make? You don't need a gym membership, you can walk or run outside. It's kind of like making these slight changes that don't break the bank, but that can add in a huge amount to our energy bank. Right. But I'll be honest, as someone that's not a massive fan of cooking, Mm-hmm. Do you need to cook from scratch to be healthy, to eat healthily? Because <laughs> <laughs> you're like, chill. I'm like, yeah, I get that. <laughs> you can assemble food on a plate. Yeah. Yeah, I can do that. <laughs> you can do that. So I like I was at home in the summer and my sister was there and I think I was having leftovers and she didn't want them. I can't remember. I think it had obush. I can't remember. Anyway, so she was like, I'll just have a bit of toast. And I was like, no, we had a pack of lentils, a bag of salad. And I can't remember what else there was. There was a few things, but literally within five minutes, she had lentils, which is your protein. She had some salad, avocado, which is your your fat that you need. And I think she had something, there was something else. But within five minutes, we'd assembled her lunch that then kept her full until later on in the afternoon. So do you have to cook from scratch? Preferably, yes. Like, I don't want to... I'm not going to mislead anybody and say, you know what, you can be perfectly healthy eating out and, you know, ready meals and stuff like that, even if they're healthy ready meals. So there has to be an element of yes. But I wasn't... Like, I... like. I kind of taught myself I don't I am not a gourmet chef by any stretch of the means and I repeat a lot of things just because they're easy and they're quick I'm not I don't have insta perfect meals any time of my life I just like shove things in a plate and check that I've got everything covered off there and preferably if it's less than 10 minutes to get from the pot to my plates is handy as well and like I had to teach my I learned myself but I would never goes to far to say that I am brilliant 
cook or a chef. I just decided that that's how I wanted how I wanted to feel was more important than anything else, and that's why I made that choice. Yeah, mm-hmm. so interesting talking. You, there, has, there has to be an element of cooking in it. Yeah. Final question, and then and I'll just get people to know how to cook. It's more for me, really, because I'm. You know, you mentioned about people that you know are put on weight, can't shift the weight, and there'll be a lot of people as well after lockdown that are potentially put on weight. And I'm thinking of our audience that might be listening that'll probably be in their might be in their thirties and forties, and probably at that perimenopause stage that I know that you're really passionate about. What advice would you give to those people that you know that can't shift the weight they put on? You know, eating healthily during that time. It's don't go on a diet. Yeah, don't eat less. It's about finding the right way of eating and moving that works for what stage of life you're in now. What worked in your 20s is not going to cut it now at all. So we need to be doing some strength training. And that does not mean that you need to go starting CrossFit and lifting 100 kgs or double your body weight. That's not what we're talking about at all. But there needs to be some element of strength training, not too much high intensity cardio because that's a stress on your body. So anything like that needs to be short and sharp. We don't want to add anything else that's stressful onto the body. Eating enough, especially protein, fat and fiber at breakfast, lunch and dinner, because that's what's going to fill you up and it's going to keep you feeling full and it's going to send the right signals to your brain hormonally as to how you're feeling. And it's going to help remove excess hormones out of the body as well. So we're not reabsorbing them and getting the body confused. And it's sleep is another thing which sometimes goes a bit skew with. Yeah. Stress management. It's a little bit of a jigsaw puzzle and each person has different pieces of a jigsaw puzzle. And I help. I was going to say, how do you work with somebody then if a client came to you? I mean, obviously... Most clients, if they come to you, they're not going to come to you if they've got everything in order. But, you know, so how do you help people get everything in order then? So I almost, I'm kind of unattached. So I'm not you. So I'm not attached to the situations. I can take a Wilma view. So I'm kind of like up here looking down and we look at your health from the minute you were born up until right now. Okay, so you go back, you go back to the beginning. Go back to the very beginning. And what we look at is the patterns there's always the patterns because you never like you never wake up one morning and be like, oh, I'm really, really absolutely knackered and I feel crap. I don't feel good in my body. You know, it's been a gradual journey to get to where you are. So it's kind of like what triggers and drivers It's kind of like what started this, what keeps it going. Things like having children, stressful jobs, not having time to exercise or eat properly. These are all things that keep us stuck in the cycle of not feeling great. And when we look at what sets things off, sometimes it could be something like 10, 15 years ago, because we've been feeling kind of not great for a long time because we don't actually realize how good we can feel. And that's when we've got some quite, you know, we get like, at the times I've had people going, oh my goodness, I felt like this for 15 years. And this is why, this is what triggered it. And then everything else has kept going and suddenly it gets too much and unbearable. So yeah, we take a bird's eye view of everything that's going on with your health from when you were born up until right now, and then figure out where you want to get to. And then I put together a plan, quite detailed plan that we'll get you there and we look at it every two weeks. Make- I was going to say, how many sessions do people have? How long do they typically work with you for? So three months is the minimum because that's the minimum before you're going to see any changes or make any habits gorilla glue sticky. So the first session is an hour and a half and then we meet up every two weeks after that and then we have a wrap-up call of an hour at the end. And that we ha- there is options to kind of add things on if you want to keep going after that. But these three months you will see some very significant shifts in how you feel and how you look. 
and I'm there for accountability and I'm not I I'm what I'm not a saint is what somebody said to me and I'm very gentle but I will kick your butt to get you where you want to be so I will hold you accountable as to what you've said you're going to do and if you've done it or not so it's all about so I like I worked in banking finance worked in worked in big governance projects you know I was making sure that the plans delivered and I never thought I'd take once I left I was like well thank god I'm never going to use that but I use it all the time because we're checking if you're meeting your goals what needs to happen what little steps do we do okay that's not working what do we need to change what's on the crystal path what's finances available how we need to change everything it all because you are your own biggest project and my background is in big transformation projects, but now I'm transforming you and it can be done. I never just set you off on a path and leave you and be like, see you, see you in three months, bye. We tweak and we change as we go to make sure that you're moving in the right direction. Oh God, I suppose I was going to think there's a lot of emotion attached to food as well. You must speak to people that have been told things about food. And we all think that we're the only one that feels that way. But everybody has emotions attached to food in some way, shape or form. We either don't eat it or we eat it to comfort ourselves. And there's nothing, every comfort eats at some point in time. But food in itself is, is a neutral thing. It's there to nourish us. And it's it's really hard, like, it's really hard to say there's no good or bad foods. Because I'm not going to lie, there is stuff that's better for us than other things and there's more there's some things I don't want you to eat ever so it's just about navigating these things and once you take the emotion out of the food and see it as something that's fueling and nourishing you and making you actually feel better if you eat enough of it which is a really difficult thing to do because as women we've been told for so long to eat less. I know you think like slim fast it wasn't even a meal was it It was just a drink. (laughs) God and like it's still around and these meal replacement shakes are a lot sneakier these days, but they're still not enough to nourish you. Um, so it's all about figuring out what works for you, your life circumstances, your needs, your goals, and then putting everything in place and making sure it happens. It sounds like you're doing such good work. I think we all need you in our lives. All <laughs> I, I, love I, think, I think, you know, it's really important because, our health is everything, isn't it? And if you're health. Your health is what makes everything else possible. And I learned the hard way when I didn't have my health about what I could and couldn't do. And I want to make sure that people don't get to that stage. But unfortunately, sometimes it's only when we hit rock bottom with our health that we're kind of like, actually, I need help to get myself out of this. And there's no shame in that. There's no judgment at all for me because I was kind of like completely scraping the barrel with my health before I made some differences. And it's not all sunshine and rainbows just now. We all still, I still have dips and kind of wonder what's going on. And especially if I've not slept enough or small humans being a pain in the butt or work stress, all that kind of stuff. But we have to role with the life we've got and we can't ignore that like I say our health is what makes living our lives possible and once you see what you can do with the energy that you have because time isn't our most valuable resource it's the energy we have because if you've got loads of time but you're knackered it doesn't really matter but if you've got a little bit of time and you've got loads of energy what you can do with that time is huge 
Love it. Do you know what? It's only tingly. <laughs> Where can people find you? And you work with people, don't you, nationwide? It's a lot, I think, so Yeah, doing. so I, I work with people nationwide. I work, I've got clients overseas as well. So everything's done online. I have. I do meet clients face-to-face in Edinburgh if they want to, not all the time, but everything's mostly done on Zoom. So Marig Motherhood is the website. And I've just launched a blog where anybody can ask me any kind of nutrition-related questions. And my LinkedIn is also Marig Motherhood, Wilma McDonald, and Instagram is underscore Marig Motherhood. So I share lots of nutrition information and tips and a lot about myself so people can get to know me and trust me. And, you know, I'm open to anybody asking me any questions at all. Nothing is off limits. We talk about anything body function related. There's nothing to be embarrassed about. So I'm an open book in that in that um, vein. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much, Wilma, for joining us today. It's been such a pleasure to chat with you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Work It Like a Mum podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate, review and subscribe. And don't forget to share the link with a friend. If you're on LinkedIn, please send me a connection request at Elizabeth Willett and let me know your thoughts on this week's episode. You can also follow my recruitment site, Investing in Women, on LinkedIn, Facebook and Instagram. Until next time, keep on chasing your biggest dreams.